Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to episode 399. So going back to the uh, traditional trades that built this country, uh, America, because remember we're listening to 32 different countries around the world, um, and Britain, and France, and Germany, a lot of our European allies. Uh, so we're going to talk about the joiner, those, and that's part of the problem that we're in today. We have no... Our educational system has so failed in this country, and uh, we think everyone should go to college and get the standard degree and be a psychology major and go back and have no employment. But there are trades, and uh, we need to get back to them. We need to save what's left of our country here. So uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about the, the joiner. So the joiner, this fellow will, will but join you together as they join wainscot. Then one of you shall prove a shrunk panel and, like green timber, warp, warp, warp. Said by William Shakespeare in 1598. Did you ever look at some of the, uh, the timbers in Sh where Shakespeare lived? Uh, some of those early uh, frame, and, frame and beam with plaster infill. Those places are magnificent, but uh, they're, they're quite warped to say the least. Shakespeare, Shakespeare wrote these lines comparing a sham wedding to shoddy jointery, wood joinery, exactly one year after he bought his new house in Stratford-on-Avon. So he bought it from an ancestor, William Overland. So it's comforting to know that your family work can serve as an inspiration to others. A century or so later, Joseph Moxham, in his book, Mechanic Exercises, offered a definition of joinery as it should be. Joinery is an art manual whereby several pieces of wood are so fitted and joined together that they will seem one entire piece. This is much the same as a carpenter's work, but for the fact that joiners work more curiously and observe the rules more exactly than carpenters need to. So long before the carpenters completed the framing of Shakespeare's house, the joiners would have been at working making his doors and windows, staircases and trim. Quite likely their work was not even undertaken at the construction site, but rather at the joiner's shop somewhere in the middle of the village. Here, they could keep their glue pots and wood and their saws, the mallets and chisels, and most significant, their planes, hand planes, and benches. Planes and benches mark the beginning of the joiner's territory. They go together like carpenters and beer. When woodworking planes were first developed during the Roman era, they created the need for a long, level surface to support the work at a convenient height. For the joiner of average stature, that height is about 30 inches. This elevation is ideal for planing and for the light chisel and saw work of jointery, but it is too high for heavy carpentry and too low for carving and other fancy works. Even if he doesn't create fancy moldings, the joiner needs a lot of planes. Just as he speeds on a bicycle, match the rider's strength to varying terrains. The key is to a joiner's efficiency is the use of a tool that is precisely suited to each stage of the work. The joiner's plane 
make progressively finer and broader cuts as the work progresses. Trying to bring rough stock to precise dimensions with a single plane is like riding a one-speed bike in a hilly town. Starting off with a relatively short scrub or jack plane that has its iron, as the blade is called, ground to a convex profile, the joiner can quickly level the surface of the wood. The parallel hollows left by this initial step can then be smoothed down by the finer cutting trying plane. The final, dead level surface is rendered by the joiner. The long joiner plane uses its great length, sometimes about 30 inches, to keep the iron from cutting wood in the valleys until the hills are all shaved down. Great euphemism. When the shavings emerge from the plane unbroken for the entire length of the stock being planed, the surface must be level and true, or bloody close to it. It is an occasional tradition in some shops to tack the longest unbroken shaving on the wall over the bench. Our current ribbon in my shop runs 27 feet 3 inches. It's absolutely amazing. One other specialized plane that the joiner needs is the plow. The adjustable plow cuts a groove into the wood a given distance from one side of the edges. By making a rectangular framework from this groove stock, the joiner can slip broad panels into the spaces to cover as large an area as necessary. This is panel frame construction, a fundamental task of the joiner, most often seen in the classic panel door and in Shakespeare's own wainscot in Avon. The problems with Shakespeare's wainscot, the shrinking and warping, stem from both from the nature of the wood and from human nature. The purpose of panel and frame construction is to allow the inevitable shrinking and swelling of the broad panels to take place harmlessly within the grooves cut for the stock. Will the shrinkage be so great that the panels will pull free or the grooves will warp? The seasoning of the material is so important that it is common practice to make doors and stages, allowing for a second seasoning. The joiner will bring the material almost to its final size, then set it aside for about a week before continuing. The oak is particularly prone to shrinkage after a fresh surface is exposed. The Builder's Dictionary warned of this, for it has been observed that through boards have lain in a house ever so long, and are ever so dry, yet when they are thus shot and planed, they will shrink afterwards beyond belief. George Eliot's 1896 novel, Adam Bede, begins in a joiner shop where a distracted young worker calls out, There, I finished my door today, anyhow. To his embarrassment and to his co-worker's amusement, he is holding up an empty frame for approval, having forgotten to make and fit the panels. Like a joiner who forgot the panels, we forgot how the design of the panel frame door has evolved directly from the behavior of wood and water. The idea for framed work is ancient. Framed carpentry began with simple skeleton structures of timber. The spaces between filled in an interwoven sticks plastered over with clay. When the design is extended to joinery, it perfectly solves the problem of wood and water. Although wood shrinks and swells across the grain, 
it is remarkably stable along its length. When the framing, a door, or wainscot is constructed with a long grain of the wood, its outer perimeter will not swell or shrink. The broad panels within this stable frame can then expand and contract within the grooves cut for them. The result is a door that does its job. It opens and closes at your command, never sticking or cracking in any kind of weather. For this strategy to work, of course, the wood panels must be free to move. Even today, workers who do not understand the fundamental principle of panel frame construction doom their door to failure by overuse of the glue pot. The builder's directory warned joiners to leave the panels free of glue and nails. For this, they will give liberty to the board to shrink and swell without tearing. Whereas moldings that are nailed round the edge, as the common way is, do not restrain the motion of the wood, that it cannot shrink without tearing. So in the days of the joiner's shop, making a basic four-panel door was considered a good day's work. This meant ripping, planing, and grooving the styles and rails of the frame, laying out and cutting the ten mortise and tendon joints, planing the molding, the four panels to fit into the grooves of the frame, and then fitting the whole thing together. This job admits that the slightest carelessness, as Peter Nicholson's 1860 Dictionary of Architecture cautioned both the tools and the workmen must be sharp and true. These being strictly attended to, the work will be a necessity when put together close with certainty, but if otherwise, the workman must respect a great deal of trouble. Shakespeare may not have been entirely displeased with the work of his local joiners. One of the other rule, rude mechanics in a midsummer's ice stream is a jointer who although dim-witted character is at least given the same name, Snug. Greg Perry, the Historic Preservation, is signing out. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening.